You may be seated for our scripture reading. The focus of our message found in 2 Corinthians 9. There is no need for me to write to you about this service to the saints, for I know your eagerness to help, and I have been boasting about it to the Macedonians, telling them that since last year you and Achaia were ready to give, and your enthusiasm has stirred most of them to action. But I am sending the brothers in order that our boasting about you in this matter should not prove hollow, but that you may be ready, as I said you would be. For if any Macedonians come with me and find you unprepared, we, not, not to say anything about you, would be ashamed of having been so confident. So I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to visit you in advance and finish the arrangements for the generous gift you had promised. Then it will be ready as a generous gift, not as one grudgingly given. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart. To give not reluctantly. Or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Thank you, Dean. Good morning, everyone. It's good to be together again today in the house of the Lord and in the company of our brothers and sisters. In Christ Jesus, pray that this would truly be a time of blessing and growth for each of us today, uh, especially as we continue in our series on contagious generosity. We come to this topic of joyful giving today, and in our text, which was just read, we find the Apostle Paul in a very tight spot, so to speak. Now, understand, it was nothing uh, terrible. It was nothing dangerous or life-threatening like some of the other circumstances Paul had gone through in his life, but it was an issue that could get a little bit tricky. You see, the Apostle Paul was in the process of trying to raise funds, and fundraising is not always an easy thing to do, is it? it was, it's not easy uh, all the time in our day, and it, it certainly wasn't uh, any different back for the Apostle Paul in his day. And it wasn't that the cause was a bad cause. It was a great cause. You see, there was a famine that struck the area in and around Jerusalem, and many Christians were impacted by this famine. And so, Paul and other Christian leaders in the, in, in the area of Asia Minor wanted to do something to help those Christians living in Jerusalem. So they went around all the northern part of the Mediterranean Sea, imploring all the Christians that they could find to contribute to this fund that would then be turned over to the leaders in Jerusalem for the purpose of meeting the needs of those suffering from this famine. And the response from many of the individuals in, the, in those places was tremendous. In fact, Paul uh, found the generosity of Christians in Macedonia, especially from Philippi, to be quite heartening. Uh, in the previous chapter from our text in 2 Corinthians 8-2, the Apostle Paul has this to write. He says, out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty 
welled up in rich generosity. In other words, even though these Christians in other places were going through very difficult and challenging times, some dealing with poverty in their day, yet when they heard of this opportunity to assist the Christians in Jerusalem, even from their poverty, they gave with great generosity. And it had been earlier that the Apostle Paul had already made an appeal to the Christians in Corinth, and they were rather ecstatic at the opportunity to become involved in this. In fact, it was their expression of eagerness that prompted others to give. But whereas others had already made good on their promise to not only be generous, but to give, for whatever reason, the Christians in Corinth had not yet collected and then turned over their offering. So now what was Paul to do? The time was coming close when they needed to be sending this gift on to, to the people in Jerusalem. Uh, Paul, if, if he were to do nothing, then, the, then obviously that would impact the size of the gift that could be turned over. But then on the other hand, Paul sensed that, boy, but if I, if I have to step forward and to remind the Corinthians of their, of their promise... He said, some might think that a little too pushy of me. They, they might pull back on their offering to some extent. They might not give at all. And so you could see the situation that the Apostle Paul uh, was facing. Now, it would seem that one of the reasons why the Christians in Corinth had not yet uh, given of their offering is that a number of them there were looking upon this occasion as though it were a matter of obligation or worse yet, compulsion. In other words, there were some that think that there were some that thought the Apostle Paul was requiring this so-called gift of them. He was making them. He was twisting their arm. He was making them feel guilty and forcing them almost by emotion to turn over some of their hard-earned money for the people that they had never met and for people whom they would never ever meet in their lifetime. So wanting to get things back on track and heading things down the right road, that is the occasion for this letter that the Apostle Paul sends to the Corinthians. And in this letter, Paul turns their attention back to the even deeper reasons why following through on their promise would be healthy, good, and right. And where the Apostle Paul goes is to the heart of the giver who, has, who is responding to God's goodness. Paul writes this. He says, remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. But whoever sows generously will reap generously. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Notice, for Paul, this is not a matter of obligation. Rather, it is about the joy of giving, of being part of something bigger than yourself that benefits someone else. It is about the cheerfulness of the giver at the opportunity to give. It is about the heart that gratefully responds to God and His grace. And it is about the joy that arises within the believer in knowing that what they have is a benefit to someone else. As Paul puts it, it's about the surpassing grace that God has given to us. Thanks be to God 
for His indescribable gift to us in Christ Jesus. So for Paul, what it really comes down to is that it's a question of the size of one's heart. Is it small or is it large? Is it great? Does it so sparingly or bountifully? It's about an attitude of the heart. Whether it holds on to one's wealth as though it were one's own possession or sees it as an opportunity to be used to be of benefit to others. Now, another reason why Christians in Corinth appear to have been holding back perhaps had more to do with just simple, simple human nature. There certainly were those who were were concerned whether or not they could afford to give as perhaps they had first promised. And Paul gets that. Paul understands that. And so Paul has this further to say. He says, God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, He has scattered abroad the gifts to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Now He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for, the food, bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge your harvest, the harvest of your righteousness. Notice the struggle that Paul is addressing here is between two views of reality, two, two uh, mindsets or worldviews, between what some refer to as a scarcity mindset as opposed to an abundance mindset. The scarcity mindset thinks that there is never enough. Well, the abundance mindset see, sees that there is always enough. The scarcity mindset holds on to what it has, while the abundance mindset joyfully and freely shares what it has with others. The scarcity mindset is characterized by fear and worry, while the abundance mindset is filled with hope and joy. And what Paul is challenging the Corinthians to consider is this, which of those two mindsets best corresponds with the good news of God's grace to us in Jesus Christ. Help me out here. Which of those two mindsets, the scarcity mindset or the abundance mindset, best illustrates or characterizes God's grace to us in Christ? Help me out. The abundance mindset. I mean, John 3.16, for God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Now understand, as we talk about this, what Paul further goes on to share, not only does the abundance mindset best reflect God's grace to us, but also too, God's good news to us is that God will also bless the abundance mindset. Now, to be clear, this isn't a plan for fiscal self-sufficiency, nor is it a, a tactic for, for wealth acquisition. It is not a recipe for more dollars in the bank or for a larger bottom line in our checking account. Yet what God assures us, what Paul assures us about Almighty God is that the Christian who has the abundance mindset will be blessed by God in ways many and deep. 
and will be given sufficiency not only to survive, but to also share and to share abundantly. Now, of course, Paul wants his friends in Corinth to make good on their promise to give. But notice, instead of focusing upon the specifics of the donation, Paul rather has them focus on what would best characterize, what would best represent their own personal worldview. Paul is seeking to encourage a specific attitude. He is wanting them to become and to be a people in whom thanksgiving and generosity are intrinsically linked. Paul writes, you will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of God's people, but is overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Yes, Paul wants them to be generous. But even more importantly, Paul wants them to be genuinely generous. To give out of gratitude to God and out of joyful celebration of what God has given to us in Christ Jesus. He yearns for his friends to give to this cause as a blessed opportunity to not only help others, but to bring glory and honor to God. He is eager for them to demonstrate their faith and to live their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, to which Paul just simply says, God loves a cheerful giver. This is where I want us all to take note of how Paul focuses not on the specifics of the donation, but rather on having the right outlook. Take note of how he focuses on what is in the heart rather than what is written on the check. Note how he rejects compulsion and seeks a willing, joyful, cheerful spirit. You know, for us at times when it comes to managing the blessings of our lives, when the issue before us is whether and, and how much to give to the ministry of our Lord Jesus Christ, too often you and I focus on the wrong things. We focus on the negative. We have a tendency to focus on obligation and compulsion. We concentrate on underfunded ministries and declining reserves and wonder, where are we going to get what we need to keep these going? We start with questions of difficulty rather than with questions and vision of opportunity. We ask, can I afford it? Or we seek arbitrary limits. How much can I get by with in order to make this happen? And this is where, my friends, Paul would have you and I think in a whole different way. Instead, Paul would have us first consider how God has blessed each and every one of us. Paul would have us ponder the grace given to us in Christ Jesus. He would have us enumerate the gifts of life and health, of family and friends, of food and shelter, of labor and leisure. He would have us measure the depth of our sins to the great sacrifice of our Lord Jesus Christ. He would have us ponder how God fills our life every single day, how His mercies are new every morning. 
He would have us joyfully dwell for a bit on all of these things, dwell on them, and allow the gratitude begin to rise up from within the depths of our hearts. And then, after such grateful meditation, Paul would then have us consider whether we are inclined toward stinginess or generosity, toward a scarcity mindset or an abundance mindset, towards an attitude that holds on to what it has or an attitude that sees what one has and sees the needs of another and says, here, you can use this better than I can. My friends, it is with this attitude of the heart that the Apostle Paul would then have us ask, what do you think is an appropriate amount to give up a for a cause that seeks to glorify God and to bring others into a saving relationship with Jesus Christ? What do you think is the right figure to use to devote to the ministry of our Lord Jesus, to provide opportunities for God's grace to take root in the hearts of many? What do you think is fitting, giving your personal circumstances and your desire that the ministry of our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ would not only continue but would thrive, that it would excel and become a blessing even for generations yet to be born? Between the service this, services this morning, I came upon a situation where someone in financial need came to our doors. And one of the individuals of our congregation went to the Bible class that they were attending this morning and said, hey, we've got somebody here in need of financial help. Are we in a position to help? And immediately in that moment, a collection was taken among that class and given to this individual to assist them in, their, in not merely a financial need, but it was a medical need. And then the moment that I came upon was to see this individual kneeling before this gal, Deborah, and simply saying, God, would you please bless this offering for Deborah's health and her well-being? You know what that means to me, to see somebody else praying other than just me as a pastor. You know what, many of you know what that means to me. That was not only an individual, but that was a class, a Bible class this morning that gets it, that understands that what we have can be used to be a benefit to others. My dear friends, it gave God great joy to be able to give His Son to be your Savior and my Savior. Hebrews 12 tells us that it gave Jesus great joy to go to the cross of Calvary. Yes, joy to go to the cross because of what it meant for you and me. Now you and I have the opportunity to join with our good and gracious God who is generous to us and to be generous to others so that they too might not only be benefited in their life here on earth, but perhaps even unto everlasting life. God grant that you and I would know the joy of giving. Amen? Amen.